Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mulk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Great Sage, Equal of Heaven. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Charlie Clawson. Hello, Mark. How are you? Look, everyone relax. It's very good to speak with you, Charlie. Thank you so much for making time. For the first time ever, I have regretted making that my, my bio description. <laughs> You're the first person who's ever highlighted it. It was like my little sneaky reference to my favourite TV show as a kid. And uh, yeah, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Don't, because the, the, if nothing else, the public service that Humans of Twitter provides is it prompts pretty much every guest to go and review their Twitter bio. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you write it, you just sit down and type it. No one reads it back. Certainly no one ever reads it aloud. Yeah. I mean, I do have a, a personal kind of um, gripe on a read. Anything that someone writes in their bio which has a phrase along the lines of, I love life, you know, you get these very positive ones like, I like to sing, I like to dance, I love life. I'm like, no, you are a serial killer. No one just <laughs> loves life. It's such a vague, general comment. What that makes me think is that you are just holding back a tide of some homicidal rage. Oh, yes. There is something going very wrong in your life and you are pushing it down and pushing it down exactly. and it will explode in someone's face. It's like that Tom Cruise thing, you know, when you see Tom Cruise jumping up and down on the couch, you're like... I don't actually believe you're this happy. I don't believe you're this in love. I think you are hiding something. Oh, he was... I've never seen a a more greater case of someone having been directed to be over the top ever. Yeah. Charlie, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, I just say, hi, I'm Charlie. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and how do they react to the why part? Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I actually introduce myself as, as Charlie. Um, I mean, uh, 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 like, I, I imagine if there's further interactions, if they don't just turn turn and walk away from me, then you know, more, <laughs> stuff, more stuff is revealed. But generally, it just starts with my name. Because you're a man with, of many talents. You've got many irons in the fire, which is the one that you hang your hat on as if, you know, when you fill out your passport, you know, I'm coming back yeah. into the country form. Well, it's whatever is the most prominent of my occupations at the time. So... You know, I'd say being an actor is, is, you know, what people would most know me for at the moment, and it's, you know, how I get most of my income. So, yeah. you know, I'll say an actor. But there's been times in the past where, you know, I put my uh, I put the, my occupation down as producer when I had the production company with my wife. And um, like I said, yeah, it just depends on what my primary focus is at that particular point in my life. Does Nair do well fit? <laughs> Vagabond. <laughs> yeah. Bon vivant. <laughs> when I'm, yeah, when I'm going to Europe, I use bon vivant to show some more sophisticated shit. <laughs> Charlie, what is the biggest thing to have happened to you? Oh shit! What do you mean in life, uh, in your career? Is it can be more specific? Yes, you can pick any one of those things, or something else you didn't just say. Um, I. I don't know. I, get, I did um, Adam Zouar's podcast uh, a while back, um, uh, 10 Questions, which is a great mm. podcast everyone should listen to. Not my specific episode, but just the podcast in general. He has lots of great guests on. <laughs> um, 
Is that okay to plug some other guy's show yeah. where he does celebrity <laughs> He's on a show that's about celebrity interviews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but he asked me a similar question, which is like, you know, what's your greatest achievement to date or whatever? And I have a hard time um, picking. I could, I, I, could pick, I could pick a lot of things that have happened in my life, which have all been, you know, little uh, lumps. I don't know that I could pick one as being the most significant uh, event in my life. Like, you know, we could look at it from a couple of points of view. From a personal point of view, I think, you know, losing my dad when I was quite young, you know, had a definite impact and, and shaped the person I am today. Um, but then I would say, uh, you know, discovering, um, uh, getting dis- discovered doing an amateur play when I was like 19, which led to my sort of acting career was also a significant moment. My first TV job. Um, it's hard for me to separate. I, I, I find looking back to be difficult because I'm always so focused on what's happening in the moment. But um, uh, there have been, you know, there have been a lot of things in my life which have been quite significant. I'd like to think that that's how I'm going to live my life anyway, that I don't want to ever put, you know, some event in my life in isolation or in stasis and say, okay, that was, you know, the significant milestone. I like to think of it more of as an organic developing process going through life. Time is not linear. It's not linear. It's not an arrow. We just perceive it that way. I've been doing a lot of. uh, I've been watching Cosmos and uh, reading a a lot of Stephen Hawking lately. Can you tell? (laughs) Well, it ties in very nicely to this. Do you have a uh, a sliding doors moment that is significant in your life? Um, really, I don't. I can't think. You know, I often, someone who grew up in Melbourne and lives in Sydney now, and I just have completely adapted to this lifestyle of having like warm weather and beaches and it's a very daytime outdoorsy city. There was a time when my parents in the 60s were looking at buying a house uh, in the Northern Beaches. That's where they couldn't decide between Melbourne or Sydney. And I do often wonder what, how I'd be different if I'd grown up in Sydney as opposed to Melbourne, because I feel like I am a very yeah. Melbourne person at heart. I love my AFL. You know, I grew up, you know, going to, to the theatre and, and seeing bands and all this kind of stuff, which is very, you know, cafes and that, that whole sort of scene. And I wonder, if I'd grown up in the northern beaches of Sydney, would I be a surfer? Would I be into league? Like, all these other kinds of things, because I just yeah, don't yeah. know. Like, I feel like I'm such a kind of indoorsy sort of nerdy dude anyway that, you know, would that, would, was that built into my DNA uh, so that even if I had grown up on the northern beaches, I'd still be doing what I'm doing now? Well, if we start to dive into quantum theory and parallel universes and stuff, mm-hmm. there is a Charlie that grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney and is now a real housewife of Sydney. <laughs> I'd love that. I've got to meet that guy. Maybe he'll give some money. Yeah, it, is, it is kind of weird, though, because I think if my parents had bought that place in Northern Beaches, they probably would have been paying so much in land tax and Sydney so much more expensive. They probably couldn't have even afforded to have nine children, so they probably would have cut it off at, like, five or six, and maybe I'd actually be negating my own existence. <laughs> There's a parallel universe where there is no Charlie Corson. Oh, God, I have perished the thought. Well, it certainly explains Fofop, if nothing else. Yeah, there is definitely an alternate universe 
running concurrent to this universe where Will does podcasts with infinitely more funny and interesting people. <laughs> Rubbish. Actually, what was, if I can ask about this, yeah. from, from an origin point of view, why did you and Will start uh, start TOEFOP in the first instance? Was it just, hey, we can record our conversations that we're having anyway? Um, I think what it was is we're both big fans of Smodcast with Kevin Smith. Yeah. And, you know, the philosophy behind that podcast was, you know, Scott Mosier and Kevin Smith were good friends who didn't really get to see each other that often because of their divergent sort of careers. So they just created a podcast as an excuse to catch up and just bullshit like they used to do when they were younger. So that was entirely the idea behind it. We, I think the, the, the actual sort of um, origin point was we were... Will was doing a like a... I guess like a, a warm-up run of one of his solo shows early mm. in, um, I think, 2010. And so I went on this road trip with him and was filming it, making a little online documentary about, you know, his warm-up tour. And we spent a lot of time just driving long distances, you know, between venues and stuff. And in that time, we would listen to podcasts and we were just like, hey, we fucking do this all the time. We can sit and have like a one-hour conversation about nothing. Maybe... Yeah. You know, maybe there's an audience for that. So when we released it, we did it with very little fanfare or whatever. We just, you know, we had no, we didn't commit to doing any more episodes than we, than we thought, you know, we were enjoyable. And it just sort of kept snowballing from there and, you know, found an audience. Snowballing and found an audience is an understatement. At time of recording, you've just recorded, what is it, the third live TOEFOP at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival? Uh, I think it's our, well... The third one's been recorded. I think we've done before. <laughs> <laughs> Long live Superpod. Um, yeah. <laughs> to, to that end, and oh, sorry, and just as a beside, I've heard nothing but rave reviews out of it, and I've downloaded it dutifully, ready to listen. Mm. Does it now surprise you that there are that many people that are willing to turn up at stupid o'clock at night to see you guys just talk shit on stage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. I mean, I think part of it is. Uh, you know, being a podcast fan myself and, you know, having gone to see live versions of, of shows that I'm into, I, I get that. Um, what I find is the most surprising is that, you know, we're a bit old-fashioned when it comes to podcasts now. Like, they're a superstar podcast at the moment, you know, phenomenon mm. podcast. And they tend to all be about something. There's a hook. Like any good TV show or film, there's a hook, you know. Um, yeah. It's a guy reading... Uh, 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 an erotic novel that his father wrote, you know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, historical uh, events, um, you know, bizarre historical events, uh, you know, reviewed with comedy, you know. So there's all that, we, and we, we come from a time where all you needed to start a podcast, the only idea you needed was just that you were doing a podcast. It was so novel and unique. Um, so the fact that we can get, you know, that many people out on late on a Saturday night to hear us essentially talk shit. Um, I always get really nervous before the live shows because, you know, I'm not really a comedian and uh, I've always sort of feel like, well, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be the night where it all, the bubble bursts, where it all goes to shit, where we're exposed, where it's like people realise, what the fuck are we being listening to? This is nonsense. But, you know, every year I'm always heartened by the response. Like this year in particular, I'm glad that you've only heard good things because it was a, it was a tough show um, 
you know, for a couple of reasons. I, I'd literally only just flown into the country two days before, and, uh, you know, Will was quite ill the night of the show, and we just were, it was just like, it, it, it was it just, you know, it, I, I felt like, oh, God, like we've got things working against us, but, you know, same as last year. Last year, I thought was a complete, like, clusterfuck. So much shit just happened and went out of control, and, you know, but the feedback's always great, so I'm like, you know yeah. what, I've just got to stop questioning it and, uh, you know, trying to apply logic to this thing. It, it works, people like it, so I should just, you know, keep doing what we're doing. Well, you guys have managed to create not only uh, a, a whole other universe that has, you know, its own characters and, and its own identity and, and mm. people that are connected in and around that, and then you throw in uh, incredible side characters, people like John Deeks, um, who most people only hear him, you know, read the intro, a pre-recorded intro, but then in a live context, Deeksy comes alive, man. Yeah, Deeksy, he's... Like, I mean, he's the jewel in the toast up crown. Like, I don't know if people actually are aware of how he sort of came into the show. Like, even if you listen to it, I'm not sure if it's, it's that clear. Because it sort of, he sort of feels ubiquitous now. It's like toast up Deeksy, you know, he just sort of um, appeared. But, you know, he, he just kind of is so up for everything. Like, I think he had a son, or maybe it was his daughter, who heard the show where we talked about him, and so he just unsolicited sent us that voiceover, that classification thing, a version of, which we were so tickled pink with. And then um, uh, when I started working at Seven, um, I ran into him, and I, and I just sort of said, oh, you know, I would love to have you more involved. And he is so bang up for it. Like, he has a studio at home, and every time I send him some, you know, bizarre, weird thing, can you do a voiceover for this, he'll send it back within 15 minutes. And those shows, <laughs> like... He prepares so well and he gets so excited and it's like, I just am happy that he has a forum to do what he can do because he's actually genuinely one of the funniest guys in Australia. John Deeks fits into, uh, he, he almost straddles that old school vaudeville television yes. that we used to see uh, and now most people only hear his voice on Seven or, or in an ad and those kinds of things but he, he is absolutely a performer, isn't he? Yeah, well, you know, Will and I are obviously huge fans of, like, Martin Malloy. And what they did with Pete Smith was fantastic. And so it's like, not that it's been a conscious decision. We never consciously were like, we need a Pete Smith. That's just how it's turned out. We have an amazing pitch man. And, I mean, this is the other great thing about Deeksy. He's not like, like, he, he, he does it for the love. You know, he really is genuinely up for everything. And then after the live show on uh, Saturday night, last week he yeah. went to the foyer with a handful of posters and just sold them for us like a like a pitch man went out to the lobby yes. still in a tuxedo and sold out posters for us and like really that was unprompted he just wanted to do it he just loves it he loves getting out there and meeting the teabaggers and you know it's just um i'm, I'm hoping and i i think i can tell it's like a mutually beneficial relationship like he gets a lot out of it and we obviously you know capitalize on it it's it's just incredible, and it, it, like I said, it's built part of the the mythology of, of Tofop, and I mean all of these things roll into the fact that then this this means that Tofop, what a lot of people look to as, um, the, dare I say it, the grandfather of Australian comedic oh, podcasting. God, I he already the grandfather. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh, geez, they're coming up to a ten year anniversary, so I guess you know. 
That makes sense. Name, name two other comedy podcasts in Australia that are older. Uh, what about Sweetest Plum? That, that started about the oh no, that started after us. I remember Declan mm-hmm. Faye calling me for tips. I don't know, man. I couldn't. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I'll take it. We're the granddads. We're the uh, Uncle Festers. <laughs> <laughs> the wizened old men that people climb the mountain to go and ask advice from. Yeah, exactly. Great sage, equal of heaven. There we go. It's all falling into place. What are the podcasts you like to listen to, Charlie? Um, I have quite a diverse podcast. There's obviously a bunch of AFL podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just finished listening to uh, 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 S-Town, um, which I quite enjoy. Oh, yes. Serial, Invisibilia. Um, there's a couple of meditation podcasts I listen to. Tara Brack is a really good one. Um, and then there's the sort of more comedy ones. I still have Smodcast. Um, uh, uh, I listen to Osher Ginsberg's podcast, Nerdist, mm-hmm. um, uh, Junk Time AFL pod, Justin Hamilton's podcast, Can You Take This Photo, Please? Yeah. And then I probably would say my most, the, the podcast that I like the most, which I sort of feel, you know, if, if I could bring, if I could emulate anything in post off is Tell Them Steve Dave, which... Um, not a lot of people know, but it's a, it's a very popular podcast, which is a spin-off from Smodcast. It's a yeah. couple of Kevin Smith mates, um, Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan, and Brian Quinn, who's in Impractical Jokers. They started this podcast, I think, about five years ago, and it's just the perfect example for me of what long-form podcasting can be about when you have a core cast, for lack of a better word, who are old friends. Like, yeah. Brian and Walt have known each other for 40 years. Um, uh, Brian Quinn has known them for about 20 years. They all, at some stage, worked for Kevin Smith or worked around it. But it's not a, it's not a Kevin Smith podcast. It's not an Universe podcast. It, maybe at the start, that's, that's how it functioned. But it's become its own thing. And like a lot of the game shows and stuff that I've brought into TOEFOP when we do a live show is based off these game shows that they play on Tom Steve Dave, they invent their own game shows that they'll only play for a week or one episode, but they're fucking <laughs> brilliant. And I, I'm always kind of reluctant to recommend it to people because you know, I think they've done 300 episodes or something, and I've listened from episode one, and it's one of those things where there are so many niche, um, uh, n- not niche jokes, but the, the, there's a lot of... You need to know the history of the show to understand how, why they talk to each other the way they do. Because I think if you came in cold, you know, from the latest episode, it might sound sure. like these guys are super aggressive or they don't like each other or they're, you know, whatever. But it's only through knowing the friendship. It's like if you were friends with a group of guys, you know, they'd bust balls. That's just the way, that's the way it goes. But when you're friends with them, you realize that's an earned trust you know yes. you will allow them to talk to you like that because of the friendship so you know i think that there's a lot um uh, that i love about that show which i hope comes across in total which is the idea of this friendship and that you know even when they uh, they can talk about any subject really and you know it doesn't matter how controversial or unique or whatever it is because it's long-form conversation even if you don't yeah. agree with that person you can see their point yeah, that, that's 
that's totally reasonable. I, I like hearing from different people the podcasts that they listen to because I think you get a real insight into the things that they enjoy, their psyche, um, mm. the, the kinds of things that they like spending their, their time on. I'm completely still amazed that with you and Will both having you know, varying time pressures and, and you know, life demands on you guys that you managed to, to knock out, well, two plus podcasts a week? Yeah, we're trying. Each. We're trying. Yeah, look, it, things have really um, uh, improved uh, since we started the Patreon page. Like, it just uh, just having that little bit of money each month um, enabled us to hire uh, Mike Howell, Michael Wayne, yep. who's our producer, who um, produces it from the States, and he's incredible. Like, he's just so good. He is another person, you know, like Dixie, is sort of just by osmosis, um, uh, came into the podcast. I think he contacted us through Dave Anthony or someone like that, because he's based in Portland, Oregon. And um, we just sort of gave him a go. We explained what we wanted to do. And to be honest, considering, you know, sometimes the three of us are in three different places, yeah. The fact that we can bring it all together, record something that sounds high quality for us, and get it out there is amazing. And, and we wouldn't be able to do it without Mike Howell, you know? When we are too busy to catch up, he'll cut together like a best, like a clip show or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's also just having that support, you know? Like, once you've sort of built some structure around it and you can say, okay, we'll, we'll just start a WhatsApp page and, you know, we'll send out our availabilities during that week. It just makes it a bit more, a bit easier than when it was just Will and I trying to get together, you know, whenever we were in the same country or, or state. Um, you know, and, and I think that because we have that Patreon support now, there is a sense of we want to give back. You know, it wasn't like we we're going to take that Patreon money and, you know, just, um, you know, fucking buy gold but it's just we wanted to put it back into the show so you know it's patreon been able to hire a producer to get james fosdark doing our comics for us and episode oh, artwork yeah. um which we love it's enabled us to go to la to do the podcast over there to you know um sort of spread the show as far as we can um and there's more stuff we want to do you know like uh, i understand that crowdsourcing and crowdfunding, you know, it's a, it, people get overloaded with requests to, to give people money for whatever, films and albums and all this kind of stuff. So we are super grateful. We are, we're aware that we're very privileged to have this, you know, kind of loyal support and we're very privileged that we get financial support. So the way we repay that is to keep doing more stuff and, you know, there's, we want to expand and we want to, we want to you know, just get TOEFOP out to more people and, and make it more regular so people who are into what we do can, can access it more often. It, it also puts you guys, I mean, the Patreon, the nature of people saying, yeah, we want to support the podcast, it puts you in a unique position where you guys are, I think, if not the only one of a very small number of independent, i.e. non-connected to a radio network podcasts mm. that have a producer or have somebody involved technically to help make things happen, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, Will and I, we're not luddites or technophobes or whatever, but we do struggle with, you know, uh, simple things like trying to arrange a a, a a Skype call to do a to do a podcast. And then we <laughs> yes. have someone who does it all for you, or just like holds your hand through the process. Like at the end of last year, 
uh, for our, oh, I can't remember what number it was, but we did a call-in episode. And we had no idea how that was going to work. Yes. He just get in the hands of Mike Hal. And it went beautifully. Like, he created a virtual um, green room for the people to go into. He was entertaining them, you know, while they were, while we were chatting to someone on air, so to speak. And it was like, we couldn't have done that without Mike Hal. We couldn't have done that without a producer. Um, yeah. And it also just opened our eyes to, holy shit, like, there's more we can, we can do with this format now. Because that's the other thing, too, is, you're right, like, a lot of big podcasts now have the backing of, if not a radio network, but, you know, like an online um, media uh, conglomerate, like a Mamma Mia yep. or, or something like that. So it's all well and good for Will and I to do this dinky podcast in, you know, his, his office out the back of his place and you know, upload it, you know, every now and then. But we're going to get left behind, you know, like... People are catching up to how great podcasting is, and we need to mm. move with the times, and you know, increase the quality of what we're releasing, and uh, and just make it more of a, of a of a thing, less less of a hobby, and more of a um, more of a job. It's interesting because I think, uh, yeah, you guys have recorded a, you know a number of podcasts in lots of different places, but certainly Will's office out the back of his house. There are lots of people around the world that have very firm ideas of what they think that room looks like, yeah, and right. I'm sure not many of them are right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> and there's occasionally a dog. Oh yeah, that's fine. Oh Jesus. <laughs> well, given the fact that you guys are, are so open and, and uh, sharing in, in the way you do your podcasting, where is the line between public and private for you? Um, well, there's certain things that, you know, we'll hold back on and stuff. Like, uh, we don't often, I think instinctively, we just know what areas we can go into and what areas we won't. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we've ever done an episode in which we've had to you know, erase a conversation or whatever. Like, I think we know yeah. each other well enough to go, um, you know, we can, we can talk about this, we, we don't talk about that. But then, uh, on the flip side is that, you know, I feel quite comfortable talking about anything with Will, you know, and I hope mm. he would feel the same. Like, I, it comes back to that thing of, you know, why I like telling Steve Dave is that I don't often agree with, the conversations they have, you know, they have viewpoints that, you know, could be considered very uh, right-leaning or very conservative or whatever. Um, yeah. But because they are given the forum of long-form conversation, hearing them talk it out, even if I don't agree with it, I can understand where they've come from. You know what I mean? And I think that's, yeah. that's the kind of security Will and I have on POFOP is that, you know, we can go into subjects that might be considered, you know, touchy or personal or, um, you know, controversial or whatever it is. But, you know, we'll always have the opportunity to talk that shit out. And that's kind of what, you know, that's why I think people like podcasting. Or Did you see there was that tweet that was going around a couple of weeks ago, some journalist did their, like, three tips for podcasters, and it was... You know, don't have two guys, you know, just talking nonsense and, um, you know, use an editor and get to the point. 
And it was like, what the hell do you think you're listening to? Like, that's yeah. why people listen to podcasts is to, uh, you know, granted, maybe we could have more female representation out there in podcasts. <laughs> and there are a lot of podcasts with two guys rubbing on. But the idea that it should be concise and edited, no. Like, you know, that's what yeah, please know. And that, oh, that's why you'll go to an NPR or a serial or, you know, one of those kind of more slick... Um, produced shows is yeah they use editors and voiceover and music and all that kind of stuff but yes like I said the ones I love are just the long rambling conversations you know where you can sort of tune in or tune out or you can really get invested or whatever it is you know to me it's like an audio book and, and that's I think part of the the joy of the nature of this evolving craft of podcasting, isn't it? That you, you kind of got to pick your market. Like if you guys are going to deliver uh, an insightful look or review at the week in politics, then you know two guys rambling for ninety minutes may not keep people engaged, yeah. depending on what it is. But if you're just yeah. going to sit around and talk about parallel universes and Back to the Future and Batman, that yeah. totally is fine. Yeah, exactly, 100%. You're right, I didn't think of that. Maybe the podcast she's listening to had a very specific topic that they weren't getting to, in which case I can understand <laughs> her frustration. Get to the fucking point. Or she was classed with, you have to write three articles today, go and listen to a couple of podcasts and come up with a story, and yeah. started listening to something and went, oh, this is death, it's taking forever to get to the point, and just kind of missed, like, just got landed with a thing uh, and, mm. and had to, was like, oh, stop it. Well, the, I just find it bizarre that you, in this day and age you can't find a podcast that is perfectly tailored to your specific taste, be it, you know, editing mm. or length or subject matter, because there are podcasts I listen to which are slick, you know, produced almost radio shows, and there's other podcasts I listen to that are two dudes in their bedroom knocking the mic, rambling on about some, you know, uh, uh, very uh, obscure subject matter. Like, uh, that's the beauty of, of the world we live in now. Yeah, gosh, if you can't find a podcast that fits, I've got four. Start with me. <laughs> Surely one of them has to stick. Yeah, exactly. Charlie, what one thing would you change about your life today? Um, what would I change? Be good to be a bit taller. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I've got one brother who's six foot three and another brother who's five ten. And I remember growing up going like, "Oh, please let me get the six three jeans." But no, I got the I got the five ten jeans. Uh, <laughs> But having that sense that uh, I don't know that I would change anything at the moment. Like, I feel like I'm in a really good position. Um, uh, I, I sort of feel like there's a lot of opportunity in front of me right now. Um, the only thing I would work on is myself. Uh, you know, I mean, I like uh, lots of other people. I'm a human being. Also, I'm not yeah. sure if you know that. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm paying so attention, I'm, taking notes. <laughs> So, you know, I occasionally can be my own worst enemy. I think, um, like most people, especially people who are in, in a creative field, is um, it's always the challenge of the blank page. It's always the challenge of finishing a project and going, what's next? You know, yep. you sort of get almost paralyzed by indecision. And I, if I could change one thing uh, about me, it would just to uh, give myself a break about that stuff. Like... You know, I know I'm fairly industrious, and uh, as you've um, observed, I have a lot of irons in the fire. I'm always doing something. Um, but 
you know, that doesn't take away that little nagging voice in my head that mm. you know, says maybe you're working on the wrong thing or maybe this is leading nowhere or maybe you should have done this or should have done that. You know, it's, uh, it's, yes. it's, 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 a daily, it's a daily challenge for me to kind of rationalise that little inner critic. You, you have taken the opportunity, though, to either, like, turn the page in the book to give yourself a clean page or rub some stuff out so that, you know, uh, Charlie Clawson gets to reinvent himself a few times in your life, though. Yeah, yeah, and that's the kind of... Um, I mean, that's the logical answer. <laughs> Most, like, that's, uh, <laughs> you're applying way too much um, uh, rationale to it. Uh, it's, it's just an emotional thing. Uh, you know, I sort of have done some work in myself in the past couple of years and, you know, gone to see someone to talk about it. And, um, you know, it's not like I was, I don't have any uh, serious um, mental health issues, but I have um, what a lot of people have, which is just like, you know, basic level anxiety. And, you know, people can be prone to fits of depression and stuff. And, you know, I originally started seeing this, uh, this, therapist in anticipation when my mother was ill because I was like okay I, I anticipate I'm going to be going through a pretty tumultuous period I just want to make sure that you know um, I've got enough support around me and what was interesting about that was um, you know it kind of taught me that you can't actually avoid feeling bad you know you can't avoid going through challenging experiences in life um, but what you can control is your awareness of what's going on rather than sort of disappearing into kind of negative fantasies about, well, what will happen if this happens or what will happen if that happens? And yeah, yeah. Uh, if this is the wrong decision, you know, we'll fuck this up. Is you just actually deal with each day as it comes. And, you know, my mother was a, a perfect example. Like, um, you know, my attitude towards her, her dying was to actually face it head on and embrace it, which is why I recorded those podcasts with her and which was, you know, why I sort of made a real effort to kind of, you know, be conscious of what was going on. And, and you know what, like it actually was a very, um, obviously sad to lose my mother, but it was such a enriching experience in every other sense, you know, um, just getting to know her and, you know, um, really just delve a bit deeper into our relationship. Um, when she eventually did die like and and there was a sense of loss but there was also this sense of like wow you know she was ready for it like everything that she said on those podcasts and everything that she wrote in her journals and stuff all came back to this idea that you know she was fully aware of this decision and 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 comfortable with it and it was a sad decision but it was an inevitable inevitable thing that was going to happen yeah yeah so having gone through that, it's like, okay, you know, if I can watch this woman go through the challenges she's facing with just like utter dignity, um, honesty, and self-awareness, then that's what I need to do in my life, you know? And I'm not facing anything nearly as um, challenging as what she went through. Um, you know, the stuff I'm talking about is fairly minor in comparison to something like that, you know? Um, but I think the principle is the same. The the idea that you don't hide from it or shy away from it, um, or you don't try and you know pretend everything's fine or like brush it off. Like you've got to feel the anxiety around oh fuck what's next or the anxiety around of have I left it too late for you know X Y or Z or all the kind of you know things the inner critic puts out there for you. Um, yep. But it's just that idea of going back. You know what? This is fine. Like this is. 
is helping uh, this is how things are meant to be in this very moment and that's not to say things won't change the next day those conversations that you had with your mum that that are part of the, the that's awesome series mm. um we're, we're really well I, I i say special but i don't want that to seem disingenuous or, or to, to seem trite because they were uh so, like at moments these great you know times of brevity and lightness and, and joy and some real depth of intensity and mm. very clearly two people who love each other very much just talking life it was such a great way to eavesdrop on you guys talking about some of that stuff it was incredible yeah I'm, I'm very I'm very uh, proud not the right word but I'm really glad that I recorded them because I did have there was a moment where I thought maybe this is going to be too personal or, or maybe you know it's going to make people uncomfortable it's going to upset mum but she was bang up for it and I'm just right. glad because you know my family all my brothers and sisters have had an opportunity to listen to it since and look everyone grieves at their own pace not everyone you know went through, mm. um, had the same experience that I did uh, but I think for the most part every one of them who has listened to the podcast has felt um, heartened by it you know has, has felt like yep. hey you know there is a recording of her voice and it's a voice of her you know talking about the things that she loved in her life and the yeah. that you know um yeah that she thought was going to happen after she died which is you know all really interesting stuff and the one thing about my mum is she was fairly unique in terms of her perspective like i don't think um i've never met anyone like her in terms of just that just that kind of openness and and um willingness to sort of like explore herself you know she really had that quality yes. so um the best stuff to come from it for me is, uh, you know, I've had people contact me online just to say what comfort they took from it. Um, you know, people who have either lost a parent or in the process of, you know, uh, having a parent um, dealing with cancer. So that's really nice to hear. You know, I did have one girl contact me who said that her father had died from cancer and the way he um, faced it was with real fear. He was an atheist and didn't believe mm. in an afterlife, and so he just had this a very um, uh, uh, it was a traumatic experience for her to watch her father go through the same thing because it was almost completely different perspective to my mother's. But then when she heard my mother's podcast, she was like, "Okay, that's good," because for so long I feared death because of what I went through with my father. It's nice to hear yeah. someone else go through. Um, the process but in a in, in a positive way wow that's that's amazing charlie wow what uh, makes you smile um friends my dog uh i genuinely i i feel like um i can i i shift between modes of being very solo and uh on my own like i've you know spent the better part of this year uh, on my own. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my wife's been working and we've both been traveling, so we haven't seen a lot of each other. But um, it makes you value that time all the much more. I've just come back to Australia and haven't seen my dog in three months. And he's made me smile every day, even though he's a bit of a shook. He had a tooth out recently and he's uh, made sure he's milking every second of it. Um, it's just that sense of, uh, it's just that sense of security. You know, knowing that yep. uh, that you're loved and and, and and that you've got someone that you love as well, 
um, you know, I think it does also come back to what I went through with mum a couple of years ago as well. Like, you know, the one thing she sort of said to me is, you know, when you when you die, the only things you leave behind are your relationships and anything you create. And that sort of has stuck with me that, you know, it's um, important yeah. to value, you know, not only um, the work you do and, and, and to actually be passionate about the work you do, but, uh, you know, the, the friendships you have. It's easy as we get older and people start their own families just to kind of uh, live lives separate to each other. Um, yes. But it's important to, uh, you know, make plans to catch up with your friends. Although having said that, my first weekend back in Sydney, I texted quite a few friends to see if anyone wanted to catch up and I all I got was a resounding no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the problem is me. <laughs> oh, Charlie. It, well, I, I couldn't suggest that, but Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, oh, geez, I've got a lot on the slate for the next 12 months. Um, I just uh, Screen Australia have been giving us some development funding for our feature film, uh, one that I'm, I'm writing uh, with Gemma. Um, she's directing, and so uh, that's, uh, we hand that in in the next couple of weeks so that's been mm. a part of this year for me is just writing that redrafting that um, there's more stuff we're doing with POFOP I can't really talk about um, ooh uh, sizzle yes but we, we they're, 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 I, I anticipate there shall be some announcements in the, in the coming weeks maybe months knowing us probably <laughs> months but yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll only be weeks um, and then uh, it's just uh Look, I'm, I'm sort of doing what I normally do, which is just going around and kicking over stones and, and, and seeing, uh, uh, seeing where it'll take me. Like, I, I decided this year I want to sort of go back to writing a bit more, um, you know, because I've sort of been predominantly acting for the last uh, few years. So um, there's a few things that, I've, uh, that I'm, I'm hoping to get off the ground. Um, you know, a lot of notes, a lot of research, um, you know, if you came in and saw my office wall, it uh, looked like a serial killer's room. It's just <laughs> notes stuck everywhere and <laughs> photos and maps and all this kind of shit and just sort of in that kind of uh, research mode. But, yeah, it just feels like, a, it feels like it's going to be a very productive year for me. Hey, Charlie. Mm. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today, mate. Please know the things that you said are, are very special and you're highly valued, my friend. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. If people were wanting to follow you in an internet fashion, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, I guess Twitter. All roads uh, lead to Twitter. So it's uh, CX Clawson uh, on Twitter, at CX Clawson. Um, uh, and uh, I guess what else am I on? I've got an Instagram account which is just Charlie underscore Clawson, but I'm, I'm not as good at Instagram as the Twitter. I think I understand that maybe maybe better. And of course, there's uh, at least two podcasts I can think of that people can subscribe and follow you on, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Tofop. Um, uh, uh, we have a website, and it's so fucking shit. I, I really would discourage people find us on Facebook. That's probably a better, better <laughs> representation of who we are. We're overhauling the website as we speak. Um, and uh, I have an AFL podcast for those of you into that sort of thing called Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. Um, it's Will and I chatting all things footy. 
bit more irreverent than what you'd expect for a football podcast. Not so big on the expertise, more on the wild speculation. Um, but that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, yeah, we have people listening to that who actually aren't into sport of any kind. So if that sounds like you, you uh, don't like sport, but you like funny people, then maybe it's a podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's leading in the tipping comp? I think I was at last count. But the problem is the team I support um, always lose, so I'm always going to be at least one short on Will each week. Oh, that's brutal. Look, at least you're showing your true colours by backing your team, yeah. knowing full well they're not going to do great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's loyalty built on uh, constantly letting me down. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at CX Clawson is indeed human. Do I say 